Go on then. What are we watching? Oh, what about... Uh... In the... Uh, with Sky Stream. The new way to get Sky without a dish. Stream unmissable Sky exclusives like True Detective and Netflix shows like The Gentleman all in one place. For just €25 a month for 12 months. Search Sky Stream today. New customers only. 12-month minimum term requires broadband. Further terms apply. Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? Easy Living Furniture has a pot of gold waiting for you with absolutely everything reduced across sofa, dining, bedroom, mattress and accessories. Get the three-seater dark grey Harper sofa for only 459 Donut 240-centimetre dining table for only 289 and much more. Don't miss out on these lucky savings at Easy Living Furniture. Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie you're listening to the Indo Daily and for something a little different here's an episode from our new sister podcast The Bell Tell today on The Bell Tell Informer the story of Dennis Donaldson my name is Dennis Donaldson I worked as a Sinn Féin Assembly Group Administrator in Parliament Buildings I was a British agent at the time forensic police officers at work at Dennis Donaldson's remote cottage he'd said he'd wanted to live in peace but his bolt hole proved to be no refuge from the gunmen. Imagine spying on your boss, and by the way, that boss was Jerry Adams. That's exactly what Dennis Donaldson did for over 20 years. Uh, I, I heard of it just, just after six o'clock. Uh, I want to condemn without reservations uh, this very brutal killing. Uh, Dennis Donaldson did work for the special branch. There's a lot of messy, dirty business going on. Let's not speculate about uh, about any of this. The IRA said it wasn't involved. Few believe them. And police forces on both sides of the border said it was the IRA. We're joined by the journalist who broke the story of how Dennis Donaldson died. The real IRA told me that he was blasted with a shotgun and that his right hand was almost severed in the shooting. I'm Kieran Dunbar, and I'm joined by the Belfast Telegraph's political editor, Suzanne Breen. Initially, when Dennis Donaldson was murdered, there was an assumption, was there not, that uh, it may have been people who had some connection with the provisional IRA, but, but you broke the story that disproved that. In April 2009, I was conducting an interview with the real IRA, with the representative of their army council and the context of the interview was after the real IRA murder of two British soldiers at Mazarine army base in Antrim a month earlier and just bang out of the blue the real IRA told me that they had killed Dennis Donaldson. I had not put them as the front runners for for doing this um, they said that they had waited until they had executed what they called crown forces before claiming Dennis Donaldson's murder. And they located it in Martin McGuinness's comments that he had made about them just after the Mazarine attack. And he had called them traitors to the island of Ireland. And they said to me that they had been the people um, who had abided by the IRA's Green Book. And the IRA's Green Book, its rule book, says that the penalty for being an informer is execution. 
Dennis Donaldson had been charged with running a spy ring for Sinn Féin at Stormont. The case was dropped late last year, but within days he was admitting he'd been a double agent for British intelligence and police special branch for 20 years. The usual IRA retribution, death. Suzanne, could you remind us how Dennis Donaldson lost his life? The real IRA Army Council representative that I spoke to said that their organisation had put the house in Donegal in which Dennis Donaldson had been staying under surveillance. So they knew that when they struck that evening that he was on his own. They told me that the first thing that happened was that the window was put in and then the door. And that Dennis Donaldson didn't look shocked that he seemed to know what was coming. He had no plan to defend himself. He didn't have like a a baseball or a hurl or a knife or anything at hand. He just tried to run into a back room. I was told that he ended up on the ground, that he didn't cry, that he didn't plead for mercy, that he was silent. I think had he been screaming, no one would have heard him anyway because the cottage was several kilometers away from his nearest neighbors. The real IRA told me that he was blasted with a shotgun and that his right hand was almost severed in the shooting. I am told Dennis's killing was over very quickly, but other informers have met even more horrific deaths. They've been tortured and interrogated and held for days, then their bodies dumped naked by the side of the road. But this was all over within minutes. Dennis Donaldson, of course, he was he was very he, well. He publicly outed himself in in, in a sense uh, as as a as an agent. How did that come about? There was a very complicated backdrop to the outing of Dennis Donaldson. His house had been raided by police. His house in West Belfast in October two thousand and two, and stolen government documents were found there. Dennis and two others were charged. Um, It was said that there was a spy ring, a Republican spy ring at the heart of Stormont. The case continued until December 2005 when it was withdrawn by the PPS. They said that it wasn't in the public interest. And Dennis appeared at a press conference with his co-accused in Stormont, flanked on each side by Jerry Adams and Martin McGuinness. He was very happy, very positive, glad that, that, that the charges had been dropped. And then a week later, Jerry Adams made a statement in which he said that Dennis Donaldson had admitted being an agent and was expelled from Sinn Féin. And a few hours later, Dennis spoke to RTE in Dublin with a solicitor at his side and he admitted that he had been an informer for both MI5 and the RUC special branch. He he then went in, in January to Donegal where he remained until he was tracked down by Hugh Jordan of Sunday World. Well, I'm not going to stand here too long, mate. What can you do now? I don't know. I mean, how, how have you ended up with Adams and stuff like that? Well, you can still talk to you. Well, I don't, I don't be in touch with anybody. No. I mean, as you can see, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Uh. 
I suppose the question, you know, why didn't he why didn't he run when when he was outed, and why didn't he run then even when he had a second chance after the Sunday World interview? Because I know in that Sunday World interview that he indicated that he would have to, and yet he was there when his killers arrived. In terms of why he 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 didn't flee when he was outed as as an informer. I think that there was a series of behind closed doors chats with members of the Republican movement. And I think he clearly struck a deal with the IRA Army Council and and believed that he had received assurances that he was safe. So Dennis gambled. He played by rules that he thought would keep him alive. He, he was living, a, I suppose, a, a sort of a purgatory for which there is no redemption out, out in the wilds of Donegal. Um, he believed that promises made would be honoured. Um, but what I think couldn't be guaranteed was that Republicans outside the mainstream movement would also see him the way that the provisional IRA leadership did and wouldn't pose a threat. And of course he had been a Republican uh, since the 1960s, uh, a lifelong Republican. What, what was his background? Who was he? Well, Dennis Donaldson had joined the IRA in the mid-1960s when it, it certainly wasn't fashionable to do so. He wasn't jumping on a bandwagon. Um, he, he grew up in the Short Strand, which is a, a small nationalist enclave in an overwhelmingly unionist area. He played a part in the Battle of St. Matthews in 1970. That's when Republicans defended the local Catholic Church from attack. The following year, he was sentenced to 10 years for explosive offences. And it was in jail that he he became friends with Bobby Sands. Dennis was released five years later and, and became involved in Sinn Féin. But he was also a senior IRA intelligence officer. He travelled abroad to meet organisations like ETA and the PLO. He built up significant contacts in the Middle East. He he visited there. Um, he said he, he became an agent at, at a vulnerable time in his life in the 1980s. But I, I, I don't think that that's an explanation for why he continued spying for two decades. D- Dennis Donaldson wasn't a stupid man. He could have got out at any time, but he stayed on. He, he could have staged an argument with a leading Republican and told his handlers he'd, he'd been sidelined in the movement. Or he could have told the IRA that he wanted to, to step aside on health or personal grounds. But he didn't do that. Suzanne, can I ask, did you know him personally? Well, I, I would see Dennis Donaldson regularly strolling along the corridors of Stormont as, as though he'd been doing it all his life. Um, he was always very, very dapper, very well-dressed, and he had a pleasant, unassuming nature. He was a charmer. He was a raconteur. He got on very well with members of other parties at Stormont. He was very close to to Jerry Adams. He was very much trusted by other people in Sinn Féin. And I, I think that his pleasant, unassuming nature actually led him to be privy to countless conversations over the years. Nobody ever worried about his presence. They would say, oh, it's only Dennis. Um, 
John Kelly, a, a Sinn Féin MLA at the time at Stormont, and he was a founder member of the provisional IRA. He, he, he knew Dennis well. And he said, sometimes I'd look around the room at Sinn Féin meetings and, and I'd wonder who the who was working for, for, for the British in, in that room. And he said, Dennis never crossed my mind. He was affable. He wasn't intellectual, but he was smart in a streetwise kind of way. He was meticulous about his work. At social functions, he'd never take more than a few pints. He had no excesses in mood or habits. He was never flash. He drove an old car. And John said he was a thrifty kind of fella, always counting his pennies. It would have been noted at Stormont that Dennis was very courteous to staff in Parliament buildings. He always went out of his way to be nice to them. He thought it was good PR for Sinn Féin. And sometimes unionist MLAs could be a wee bit abrupt with staff, but every year Dennis would invite the cleaners, the canteen staff and others to Sinn Féin's Christmas party. And John Kelly said Dennis would go out and bring the sandwiches and biscuits and buns in himself. Now, Dennis had an eye for women. I think he was fairly notorious um, in Republican circles for that. And he showed up one night with a bottle of wine at the home of a Belfast lesbian community activist. And she told me that she said to him, Dennis, I don't vote that way. And he said, actually no, but I thought it was worth a try. And it, it all ended very you know, friendly and civilly. Um, Dennis was generally liked by, by, by women. He was a popular character. He also spent time in the United States. In, in the 1990s, Dennis was sent out to run the Noriad office in New York. And I spoke to Irish Republicans there and they recalled how he just loved being in New York, how he would walk all the way from his apartment in the Bronx into Norad's Manhattan office every day just to take in all the sights and sounds of New York. He visited jazz clubs in Greenwich Village. He, he enjoyed eating in ethnic restaurants. He really soaked up the whole experience. But when he was in New York, he clashed massively with Norad's publicity director, um, the lawyer Martin Galvin. And he told me that he liked Dennis a lot at first, that he, he found him very charming. But he increasingly came to believe that Dennis was a fraud. And Galvin said to me, he lied while smiling to your face. And after Dennis Donaldson was murdered, I asked Martin Galvin, would he condemn that act? And he said that Dennis had treated his post into New York as though it was a holiday, that he had been provided with an apartment and expenses, which were paid by Republicans who didn't know that Dennis was also in, in, in the pay of the British. And Martin Galvin said Dennis had toured America, he'd stayed in people's homes and he'd accepted their hospitality. And he, he believed that information that Dennis had given to the authorities had likely led to the, the jailing or, or death of Republicans. And Martin Galvin said that while he had sympathy for Donaldson's family, 
he, he wouldn't offer a hollow condemnation of his killing. And, and that gave me, you know, a, a, an insight into how some Republicans who had worked with Dennis viewed him and, and viewed everything that had happened. The IRA statement, the, which said that the organization had nothing to do with the death of Dennis Donaldson, it didn't call it murder, it called it a killing. And Sinn Féin figures, when they spoke and, and spoke against Dennis Donaldson's death, they also used the same word. They wouldn't use the word murder. He obviously came to, uh, as you say, many, the IRA shot many informers and other Republicans shot many informers over the years. I mean, do we, perhaps was an atypical informer, but again, how do people become an informer in general and what sort of life can they, could they have typically expected to have led at the uh, informer times? Well, I, I think most people probably become informers because they are caught doing something illegal that is likely going to lead to them serving a lengthy jail sentence and they don't want that. So that is kind of how they are first hooked. Um, sometimes maybe it, it will just be about money that that they they are offered money. Uh, and I, I I think while money is a very important factor, it, it it's not always though the the first reason for for becoming an informer. But but it but it keeps people doing that. Um, I think very few people inform for ideological reasons. Um, there's all sorts of options for, for people in, in paramilitary organisations that have a genuine change of heart. They can leave, they can give information in, in a different way. Um, th- there was talk that Dennis Donaldson had earned about £40,000 in his life as an informer, that would seem on the low side to me, given all the risks that um, he, he would have un, un, incurred in that life. Being an informer is poisonous to a person as a human being. Um, I, I think we we all maybe sometimes lie to somebody in our lives, big lies or, or, or we lies, just we, we, we might tell an untruth to our partner, to our friends, to our neighbours or, or to our bosses, but an informer lies to everybody 24-7. Their entire life is a lie. And I think that that is destructive to, to a person. It goes right to their core as a human being. And, and that's, I mean, Dennis Donaldson, I suppose, he either s- served two masters or or no one, died a lonely death, was socially isolated. Uh, it, it is, It is, I suppose... A reflection of how society in general, you know, no matter what their views of Republicans or the IRA or anything else, this kind of distaste and perhaps it's it's misplaced distaste maybe goes beyond that for historical reasons. Well, I I think that even those implacably opposed to paramilitary violence to to the whole concept of armed struggle don't have a high opinion of informers and, and these strong feelings that, that we find in society and I suppose particularly in, in nationalist society uh, about informers don't just come from the troubles. They're they're there throughout Irish history. I think, you know, Michael Collins said some very 
very harsh and ruthless things about informers. He, he said that killing them made the air sweeter. And during the war of independence, the bodies of informers were just dumped on roads with labels attached, spies beware, executed by the IRA. So that ruthlessness and, and loathing of informers has always been there. Um, the very existence of Dennis Donaldson in Ireland after he ad- admitted being a spy incensed many ordinary um, former IRA members and their families. I mean, people would have spoken to me about the, there was a, a famous picture um, taken in jail where he has his arm around Bobby Sands and just even looking at that annoyed many Republicans. Can I ask one final question? I mean, obviously, we understand that uh, Dennis Donaldson, at least at one stage, had a role with the IRA. Uh, but at the same time, this was seemed to be an element of uh, political espionage, which in, uh, I suppose, a post-conflict society or you know, a democratic society might seem strange to a lot of people. But was it strange at the time? Well, Dennis had a, a leading political role um, which we can clearly see. He, he was Sinn Féin's chief administrator, their, their top official at Stormont. He had travelled um, to America representing the party, but he did also have an IRA brief. And I think that there has been a lack of transparency from um, Republicans really about Dennis Donaldson, um, there was a series of interviews, debriefing sessions that were conducted by him. But uh, it's not just the the, the British state that keeps it secret in in these murky worlds. Um, Sinn Féin never released anything that was said in those debriefing sessions and details of Dennis's IRA career has never been put in the public domain for even grassroots Republicans to to work out what damage that he, he, he did to their movement or who or what he compromised. Suzanne Breen, political editor of the Belfast Telegraph, thank you very much. The Bell Tale was produced by myself with sound engineering from Graham Davidson. Special thanks goes to Siobhan Maguire and Mary Carroll. Clips from The Sunday World, the BBC and RTE. You can follow The Bell Tell wherever you get your podcasts.